Well, hello. Happy post-Valentine's Day. Andrew, thanks for thanks for coming back for another episode. Did you get my flowers? I you know what? I didn't. They must have oh, they must be running late. That's so weird. What about the chocolates? Did they not? Yeah, those must be running late too. Well, that's extraordinary. It beats me, honestly. You uh, I FedEx them, but obviously that didn't work. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm I'm glad we have an experience officer with us today <laughs> to help you make some corrections oh. as to your the experience you want those around you to have because it's it's, like, it's it's fallen a bit short. It's like we've rehearsed this. It's like we've actually I know. look at that transition. It's you know professional. <laughs> but we totally did. I love it. <laughs> All right, look, can I get to Allison already? She's waiting. Go for it. All right, you know, it's been a year. I'm so excited when we get to have you know, guess back to hear how things are going and, and see what's come from, uh, you know, from their experience and, and all their, the challenges they've shared with us the first time around, how things are going. Um, Allison Marrero with ASID, still the chief brand experience officer. Hello, my dear. Welcome back. You know, I'm so glad to be back and I, I'm laughing internally because we had this conversation last year about Andrew's inability to get flowers to you and chocolates in a timely fashion. So, you know, it might be best if we talk with him in July and, yeah, and give him yeah. a quick reminder. So no, it's, it's a pleasure to be back. You're, and you know, it's great that you have, you've learned to recognize those, um, you know, inabilities, uh, short-sightedness, the, those that where there aren't strengths for certain people and, and how we can help set them up to succeed. I mean, you've, you were thrown into the deep end last year. I think we had you on your 90-day anniversary. Um, so talk about changing behaviors and, and you know, recalibrating the course of an organization. How the heck are you? Wow, that's a great question. You know, 90 days in, you're coming through the lens of, I remembered saying this before with you, curiosity. What, what, what am I doing? Who am I working with? Uh, I, I have an audience that was internal, which is the staff. They had to get used to me. I had to get used to them. And then I had this 20,000 membership organization. That's my external audience. And, and how uh, did I get to know them and, and what, what they needed and what was important to them? And so the first 90 days is what's that proverbial drinking water from a from a fire hose sort of uh, experience. I was surrounded by uh, a staff that, though, that is wicked smart, on point. There's a, a There was a, a lot of tenure and uh, leadership in that space that I relied on to help guide me uh, and educate me. And then on the flip side with the members, I just engaged, you know, I had the opportunity to go through a uh, and Neocon and, and some other trade show experiences. We hosted our own membership meeting in August of last year. So there was some one-on-one -on -one time and opportunity there to learn even more. If you're looking for the, the short answer, which you know me now is not my strength. <laughs> so thank goodness for uh, recording edit ab abilities. Uh, I have been really fortunate. I got, I get asked frequently right now because we're about we're a year in do I do I like my job I love my job I love my job I I am very fortunate to be where I am you know and as I mentioned we we love having guests come back and you're in that executive maybe still in that executive honeymoon phase but but sure. looking back how would you have tackled your first year in the c-suite 
differently. And I wondered if your perspective coming from the corporate environment to the nonprofit has anything to do with that. But if you got a do-over, what what would you do differently over these last, you know, 15 to 12 months? Oh gosh, that's a that's a great question. Is this I like don't, a therapy session? I mean, are we allowed this to just is, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think I I feel good about that. I probably should have sat on the couch, maybe that would have, have been a more comfortable spot. You, you know, what would I have what would I have done differently? I I think that I might have slowed down a little bit. I, I mentioned this to you all before that in the corporate world, we make decisions quickly, right? And we and we and we fail fast. Um, and we pivot fast. And I, I, I brought some of that in and I, I use that even today within the association. I would have maybe in a couple of ex- places just waited a little bit and given myself more of a pause to allow something to maybe percolate or embrace it more uh, because I'm sometimes so quick to check a box versus let's see if that box needs a little more time to be cultivated. So that is a broad answer. I, I I don't have something specific that I feel like we had that I could have done uh, dramatically different that would have changed the the path of where we're going now. Uh, it's, moving forward, I think. Yeah, go, Andrew. I'm ready for you. Well, I was going to say, it's, you know, it's I'm all I'm take it easy on her this time, though. Take it easy on her this time. It was hard to get her back after you beat her up last year. I don't. Rem- I honestly, I don't remember doing that. I thought I was. Amiable and welcoming as always. I don't remember any tough, but okay, well, here's a tough question then, right? Okay. <laughs> um, I'm always curious to hear, you know, I'm, Elisa and I are like, we we always like chatting with people who've come from the corporate, you know, the, the for-profit corporate environment into a non-profit corporate environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm always curious, you know, I, or I'm curious to hear, you know, you said that, you know, maybe slow down a wee bit or just kind of take mm-hmm. some time to sort of, you know, gather your thoughts as it were or just you know consider you know your options but is that do you think that's do you think that's a reflection on you or do you think that's a reflection of the non-profit environment not specifically the not specifically your organization necessarily but i'm always curious as to you know we get a lot of criticism in the non-profit world that we're you know we're like oil tankers turning you know turning a corner but I wondered, you know, did you did you think that, you know, compared to the for-profit world, are we are we slow in our decision making? Are we are we are we too actually are we too inclusive in our decision making, i.e. death by committee on everything? That's uh that's a really good question. And the short answer to that is I I do feel like in the not-for-profit world, what I have learned is that it moves slower because the people who are part of my association are doing so willingly. They're giving me their dollars and their time uh, to be with me. And so I need to be a good steward of that and a, a good steward in terms of giving them the value for what's there. In the corporate world, you have it, it felt like in, in some cases you could or you couldn't, whether someone wanted to be part of of of. of what I was doing really was not necessarily going to personally affect their dollars or personally affect their time. And so I'm more in tune with my membership and making sure that the decisions that are made are reflective of them. It's members first. And so that does slow us down. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. I 
appreciate that if we don't do, Andrew, the task forces and the committees, that decisions made in a vacuum can, can be very unhealthy. And so it might give me pause to say, I've got six more months before I know what this committee is going to say. Mm -hmm. Yet at the end of the six months, if the results are surprising to me, then it was good, right? Because yep. I took yep. the time to hear what they were saying and the decision that maybe I would have made six months ago with my team would not have gone over well. So it's a balance that I've learned in the last year. So over this last year, let's take a little bit of in inventory. I mean, the American Society of Interior Designers has undergone some pretty big changes and, and you were part of maybe a, a second wave of that after mm -hmm. a new CEO was brought in. What are those highlights over, over the last 12 months? Let's, let's kind of catch people up on on, on some of the good, on, on the victories and, and what you've had your fingerprints all over. What, what's the last 12 months brought about? We talk about change in these general terms. Let's get specific. I am so excited that you asked me that because I wrote it down because I wanted to be sure to talk about even in, in one year, I feel like we accomplished so much. We are rolling out a brand new association management platform uh, nice. that will go live for us in January. Uh, we are uh, we created a small business solutions for, you know, most of our membership of, on the firm side are 10 people and under. So there is now a platform where they can get medical insurance, liability insurance. We've given them tools to understand how to run their small businesses uh, more effectively. Uh, we have created a different platform for industry partners. We've opened up that that ability to join as the 10 member firm or the very small company all the way up to the to the 100,000 person Benjamin Moores and Restoration Hardwares. I think one of uh, my favorite uh, changes we've done is our membership categories. And that wow. was a, a really big, big lift. Incredibly important because what we wanted to do was reflect on were we inclusive? Were we embracing uh, all of the people that might wanna be part of the society, not just as practitioners, but were we considering maybe there were landscape artists um, or uh, were we thinking plumbers or were we thinking there were woodworkers that might wanna find a way to network with my practitioners and how could they join? When we spoke last time, Andrew, I remember talking about this specifically saying, how would Andrew join ASID? I didn't have a space for you. You didn't fit into the, to the, the tiers and, and we have completely revamped that and rolled out a, a way for uh, anyone to join and find a, a way to navigate being part of our association, either just to learn or network or to take what we do in the education space with our CEUs and, and ultimately become a practitioner. Okay. That's probably the one thing I'm the most proud of. I'm really excited about that. I love that one well, on your website under join, you know, I, I love that you have, here's these paths. There's <laughs> this path, that path. And then you have what you actually use the language of alternative routes, um, you know, ways to, to lead ways to get in the door, ways to explore. I, I love the language that you guys are, are using to, to provide opportunity. Uh, you know, people have to come to you. They can knock on the door and you can open it, but they still have to come in. Um, and, uh, I, I really like what you, you've done with that. How has this affected your components? You know, we chatted a little bit last year about, about the components, where do they stand in this evolution? 
you know, I want to I want to touch a little bit on on the components. And, and when you do something as big and bold as we did with our membership categories, it's important to remember that there are some who are going to be very excited and some who come through a, a little bit more cautious, right? Because there is an elevated level of being an interior designer. It's it's different. Uh, it requires education. It requires consistent CEUs. There's a path um, that we that you mentioned that that is required to be that. And so when you when you make a uh, a statement where we're going to open it up to everyone. You don't want to dilute what is special about the association to begin with. So when we're talking about our components, we've had to be mindful to to be very transparent and explain the why. Why would we want to do something like this? And how does that affect you personally as a volunteer, as a potential board member or committee member? And so We've hosted webinars and we have uh, put, as you saw, we put it out on our, our website. We talked about it and rolled it out at our membership last year. And we rely on our chapters, right? As if you can engage your leadership at chapter, they become the best advocates and the best promoters for you. If they understand it, they can go in and then talk with us further and the rest of our members. And has your, has your sort of traditional member base responded positively to to the sort of evolution, rapid evolution, if you like, of the, you know, the demographic change in your, in the membership. Yes, the overall, the overall reaction was, was positive. The, the questions came with, what, how do I still remain special as a practitioner who did all of this work and all of this all of these requirements to become an interior designer. And in that space, Andrew, it's our responsibility to say, you then become the, the, the leader, the role model of what some of these people that are joining us now might ultimately want to be. You could become the mentor to share with them the path that you followed uh, to become an interior designer and, and, and pivot from being a decorator or pivot from even uh, from a student space, right? We want to make sure that we have the, the, the practitioners there to be the voice of how to do it and why to do it. And so when we talked about that as an inclusive space, those that were wondering why we would have opened membership up more globally understood. And they, at the end of the day, they are acknowledged and recognized by appellations that are different than everyone else. So there still is that honor that comes with uh, that public recognition of all that you've done. So that internally, when a, when a client is coming to look for someone to, to design his hospital or his living room or her uh, new church, there are all of the reasons why a member might make sense because of the practitioner and, and the level of education versus someone else that they might find. I'm the resume is, is where it's at. Yeah, because when presumably you're able to communicate the commercial benefits as well of you know expanding mm -hmm. the network. Um, you know, it, it not only, not you know, it's not only a, a, a membership pipeline for the association, uh, the the organization itself, but it's you know the, the commercial benefits to your existing members of having that wider, wider network of specialists who work in and around the interior design profession. That must be a huge, that's a huge selling point. Surely, I would I would think from from your perspective to, to existing members. You nailed it. We did a, a report. We were at uh, a high point earlier this year and we, we did a panel and on the panel, uh, one of the designers mentioned the struggle sometimes to find specialists and in, in, in her world, it was upholstery, 
right? And and so we can find uh, a way to help the designer that lives in Little Rock, Arkansas, find the person that she needs just by going to the ASID website and looking at the membership role there. Then then we have done we've added another level of service to what it means to be a member of of ASID. And, and that's really exciting. And, you know, I want to bridge on that a little bit. Alyssa, Alyssa, you asked me, what were some of the things that we've done in this year uh, uh, of change? And we are rolling out again in uh, February, our community forums and think of them as, as Facebook, uh, Facebook groups, but this will be internal forums where people can talk amongst one another and ask Questions, Andrew. If I'm, I'm looking for someone who's a great painter in New York, do you have a space to talk to? Uh, talk about that, and also bring all of our chapter presidents together and find a place where they can navigate and have conversations, as well as finance directors. So that part of creating an internal community forum is really important and very exciting for us as well. So you know, as a as a brand expert and an experience expert, you know that change is not a, a check the box one time thing. Sure. What does twenty twenty four look like in terms of continued communication around what's available to people, what's different? How do you continue to not only you know build the culture around this new community, but also operationalize it? How does you know how do you move from change? to living the change? Sure. So the culture around it, it starts with what we just did this last, uh, maybe just six weeks ago, which is, I mentioned a webinar. We invited all of our chapter leaders to come and spend some time with us. And we talked about all of this change and explained why. It started even before that, though, at our annual conference in August, where we began to lay the footprint of here's the why behind the, the path that ASID is, is taking. And so if you want to build the culture, you start with your volunteer leaders who are in leadership themselves, because those are the people who are embracing what you're about and make sure that they're informed so that they can begin to be storytellers internally, Right. It comes with marketing. How are we? How are we getting in front of our our members with our email and uh, our communication platform on on our website? And then the community forums is something we're very excited about because we feel that will be almost a live engagement for us to be able to tell more about what we're doing and why we're doing it. And it's repetitive. When you do something as new as this, it's going to take a while for everyone to know about it remember it and then embrace it. And so it's just a constant, uh, a constant mantra, if you will, mm -hmm. to remind them of why we did it and how it benefits them. It's, it's, uh, for me, it goes back to feature versus benefit. We have all of these features with ASID, not every feature benefits every member. So we continue to tell the story so the members can find what benefits me as a small business owner versus what benefits the student. And so it, it's it's making sure that communication piece remains very steady uh, and that we're there for the members when they call. But they still, we our membership loves to call and talk on the phone. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I, you know, and you are you're a, a special part of our community. We don't have a lot of two-time or more guests. So we're we're thankful for, for you joining us again. And I, I'd love to ask kind of a personally slanted question now that you're 
you're a two-timer with us. Um, I know that you are really committed to your community and you volunteer, you're on charitable boards. How has this role in as a nonprofit staff person, how has it changed how you volunteer? Oh my gosh, that's, wow. Good question. So, that's a really good question. That's a, that's a really good question. So I think what it has done is it's made me appreciate even more the people who manage the volunteers. And so when I am asked to do something from my uh, executive directors, I think I am more readily, uh, I don't want to pass the buck. I don't want to rely on the other 100 members that are volunteering. I really do feel this extra sense of responsibility uh, that comes with uh, being a volunteer. I consider myself a patient person. I found though that I have become more patient and because I do approach everything mostly from a business lens, I have given more grace because sometimes it's not coming to me the way that I would have wanted it to. And that's okay, right? I want to volunteer my time because it, it, it feeds my heart. It, it, it makes me feel better. And hopefully it's helping those that I'm volunteering for. So in this space, if I can keep that mindset with my own membership, then I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. That's amazing. Well, thank you again so much for all that you're doing um, in, in your new role. I know the American Society of Interior Designers is is so thankful and uh, and impressed by all that you've done. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Jessica Irizarry wasn't able to join us today. No. She was part of our, our 2023 um, kickoff to uh, to change management at ASID, but we are are so thankful for our our relationship with both of you and uh, and getting to peek behind the curtain on all that you were doing mm -hmm. and uh, and learning. Could I could I just also you know just you you at least you you quickly skipped on from the point where um, it was acknowledged that I am the inspiration for the ASID's uh, membership uh, restructure this year. You you just kind what? of I'm going to have there. to play the tape back. Yeah, you go back and listen that. to that. The question was. How do I, how do I make membership available to some to Andrew? Was kind of you know this I'm paraphrasing. Oh, you're going all the way back to that. And so I just want you to just you know you skipped over it like you didn't want to acknowledge it, but I think it's really important that we do acknowledge the inspiration that I am to the ASID. I just wanted to just flag it. We end. we all handle yeah. our reactions to Andrew differently, and. Uh, you know what, Andrew, I, I will definitely talk with my director of communications and make sure the asterisk gets gets Thank placed you. on the new membership categories, acknowledging uh, your responsibility and, and uh, how, what benefit you brought yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. no problem. Because most associations want me to leave. So it's nice that yes. I, you know, the inspiration. <laughs> Andrew, put, Andrew puts the ass in asterisk. So we oh, will. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's where I drop the, drop the mic, people. That's it. That's where we, that's where we wrap. No, Allison, thank you so much. Congratulations. Here's to another 12 months of, of success and, you know, healthy engagement and, and smart growth. We are we are so excited for for you and Jessica and the entire engagement and membership and and chapter team over there and we hope to uh, we hope to have you back again. Let's make this a thing. You, I was just thinking that, and I thought, darn it, I'm gonna start my notes earlier so I can be prepared for next February. So I yeah, can let's just like... have a let's just have a Valentine's date, a standing Valentine's date every year where we'll start with commiserating around how Andrew forgot Valentine's okay. Day. 
And then we'll move on to what we did, what, you know, the change and all that we've learned over the last 12 months. I think this will be great. I, I love this plan. I love this. Andrew, I'll try to remind you in July to go ahead and start the, the flower candy delivery. Good idea. That should give you plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look forward. Or to the it. glitter bomb. Who knows what he's going to send me? Oh, goodness. Oh, Allison, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for joining us. Um, we hope you've had a great Valentine's week. Um, we are eager to, uh, to hear more about change and we hope that you'll continue to join us for association transformation episodes, make us one of your favorite podcasts, wherever you get yours. And until next time, put your members and your mission first. Thank you.